American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to David Davis. My brother Sean Olds of the Eiffels was able to talk to David Davis over Zoom video. Singer-songwriter David Davis is having a breakout year after winning, after winning the NBC Songland episode featuring Ben Platt. Teaming up with Ryan Tedder uh, and winning with the song Everything It Took to Get to You. That winning song charted at number one on the new pop chart and number two on the pop chart. David Davis has a new record out. It's called Future Fortunes with a Christmas EP coming out later this year. Make sure to watch the interview with Sean Olbs of the Eiffels and David Davis on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with David Davis. So I'm, uh, I'm super stoked to hear your story because um, I uh, actually became a, a fan of the show Songland uh, a few months ago. So I was been watching all of the Hulu episodes and I, um, I think I actually saw your episode. So, uh, so when I saw that you were on there, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I get to talk to him about this. And uh, so we'll get to that. But uh, we, we like to, you know, just take it all the way back first. And, and, and why don't you tell us a little bit about how you, you got into music? Absolutely. Um, so I started singing and playing piano from a young age. My uh, folks said that I was the type of kid that would just like make up songs in the back of the car seat. And they'd nice. be like, ah, there might be a little something there. So like put me in the church choir and uh, all the school programs and stuff and just developed such a love of music um, and performing from there. Um, they also would play a ton of like old school records like Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and um hearing such strong voices tell such incredible stories that could be presented in an up-tempo fun dance way but also like soulful ballads that just hit you right in the gut just i don't know just got me hooked really quickly um because those are such great inspirations so yeah that's how i got into it and um as soon as i graduated from high school decided to go to college for music and um got trained there and spent a lot of time just developing my craft out in Nashville. So when did, when did you start? Because you're a piano player also, right? Besides just being a singer. Uh, so you're listening to Motown at home. Your parents are, are, are music enthusiasts. When did you you hop on the piano? Was that your first instrument? Uh, so I was playing, I first started on violin at three and then at four started doing wow. classically. Um, and then once they started putting me into the kind of like church stuff, then they were like, well, you play a bunch of instruments so sit down and start playing piano you gotta have you do something so right yeah, I, I started playing playing in church and that was about seven or eight when i started playing piano as well okay P uh, violin at three huh that's yeah. pretty crazy i mean it, it was it was um one of those like the the instructor gave us these cutout cereal boxes that could function as a violin and that's how they taught us to identify strings and get to know the whole setup so i didn't continue playing past like six or seven but it did develop this love of stringed instruments and that's a huge part of uh, my creative process is bringing in any sort of stringed instrument that's possible to play live so gave me an understanding and a development of how to arrange for strings for a song. And, and yeah, so. I, I yeah. Know. I've always, I've always loved 
you know, ever since like the Beatles, like brought in like strings for like Sgt. Pepper and they're like kind of more epic albums. I've, I always thought strings were very cool, like in pop music, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean of course, in R&B and, and, you know, like softer music, it, it works a little more naturally. But like finding ways to make it work in like up, upbeat pop music, I always thought was really fun. Yeah, disco seems to have done it the best. So. You're, that's right. You're, you're <laughs> you know? totally right about that. You're totally yeah. right about that. Uh, so you, so then you, so are you in high school? Are you doing performances and are are you doing other things before you start? You know, officially going to school. Yeah, I was a um, a one sport athlete, so I did show choir, which I consider the most intense sport of all of them. Um, and show choir, like. It's a whole culture out in the Midwest where I'm from, where mm. there's like national championships and like, you know, it's just, you've seen Glee, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that that's how it is. <laughs> high school it was so, so intense. Um, uh -huh. And like training, like all the stuff we'd rehearse like seven hours a week, um, seven or eight. And wow. We're on the weekend. So in high school, that was kind of what got me into performing out. But um I think the intensity of, of the choral programs that I was in definitely made me look at the structure of music and wonder like how I could create that on my own and, and kind of learn the structure so I could build off of that and figure it out for myself. So in high school, were you, were you getting on the piano? Were you starting to tinker around and, and write yeah. like songs and, and were you playing them for friends maybe or your parents or something or, or was there any sort of, you know, performance besides yourself? Yeah, so I um, I started writing my freshman year of high school because um, I just had a lot of feelings and I loved singing other people's stuff, but it was like, I think I got enough emotion to figure out how to do this myself. Um, and I would like go to parties and everyone would be hanging out or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, David sings, like David, play something, blah, blah. And I'd yeah. up on the piano and play for my friends and all the cool kids and kind of nice. like- make friends that way yeah. um and yeah so at first it was it was just kind of like for my social circles or whatever and I sure when there were talent shows or variety shows and stuff like that then i'd do an original and and um get to do the whole like stage setup and whatnot so yeah is so so, so definitely yeah and then so and then you decided to to go to uh school for music right after high school you said mm -hmm. i went to belmont university so was that a pretty easy decision for you at that point? It was like, I'm doing music. Was there, uh, were your parents on board with that or, or, uh, or how, how is, how is that decision made? Um, it never really seemed like much of a choice. Just more of a, like, this is what I'm doing and that's it. And what's the best place to do it in, in Nashville, um, is a great city to be thrown into at, 17 to learn about how to write songs because people can write a good song out there yeah so you get there and uh do you start finding writing partners like at school or are you you know obviously you're going to school for it so you're in classes and all that but uh do you start aside from the the formal part do you start finding you know like-minded people and start like jumping in kind of like the rehearsal places with them or like or writing circles and, and start collaborating right away or how did, how did that process go 
Yeah, the cool part about Nashville and going to school there is that you're surrounded by people that are in the industry and that are doing it professionally. And um, within my first two weeks, I was playing um, playing sessions on piano in some of the the bigger studios out there. And it's kind of like word of mouth. You know, you get there, you start doing everything, and then people say, "Oh, I know a piano guy. I know a guy I can sing back up." Like, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it, I was pretty much like I got to school and was doing a bit of. Uh, bit of both within the professional industry and then also studying um i did a lot of like backup work as a favor because i wanted to learn and uh sure. that for christian and country singers out there and um did some writing as well and kind of learned on the ground from other people so obviously you you're a great writer um so so tell me a little bit about how you transitioned from from kind of this this word of mouth that started spreading about you you know doing a session here and a session there to to doing some of these these big you know big performances with with crazy artists like like john legend and and how did how did that happen how did that momentum build up so after college i signed a publishing deal um and started writing for TV and film and other artists. And uh, after I signed that deal, the company that I was working with was like, hey, if you want to do anything artist related and opening stuff, like that's on you. We're just going to handle the licensing side of things. But if you Mm -hmm. want to figure out the rest of it, you just got to figure it out. And so I called the people that I've done favors for um, and done backup gigs for and writing sessions for for free without asking questions and was like, hey, I would love to just drive 12 hours overnight and sing one or two songs before you go on, if that's possible. Um, and just got on the road as soon as college ended. And it started off, you know, playing for 10 people in a bar. And after three years of grinding it out on the road and doing 150 shows a year, um just built built off of that um so it's it's been a process but definitely definitely what i've enjoyed yeah i uh I, I read that you did at least at this point or whenever i had read it or whenever it was written i should say you've performed on 700 plus stages now and, uh, and performed at the 64th uh primetime emmy awards uh, governor's ball Mm-hmm. and uh, did a 73-show residency at uh, Quincy Jones Club Hughes in Dubai. How was that, Being, hanging out in Dubai for 73 Crazy. shows? <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was insane. Um, when I started my first album, I had like put Quincy Jones as this, like, why, I want to manifest meeting this person and, and figure out how to make that happen. I don't know anyone that knows him, but he's an uh, icon, a hero of mine. Yeah. And just kind of got to work six months later did my first show um off that album and a friend of a friend of a friend sent his uh one of his executive teams over and they saw the show i didn't know till the next day and they reached out over instagram or like we were there we loved it um we have this residency in dubai that is a is quincy's first club we'd love for you to perform the residency so um within six months I was out there and hopped on a stage and did a three hour show every night for about 120 people each night um, over the world. And it was, it was really one of the coolest experiences because it really fine tuned um, how I perform. We have to get up every night and do it 
for two and a half, three hours. And, and it's, it was my own show, my original music. You have to figure out on spot, like what's landing, what's working, what's not working. Some people yeah. don't English, some people don't have never heard this type of music before. So um, it really gave me a global perspective and how I create and how I perform. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it's kind of trial by fire. I've never been to Dubai, I've only, you know, but I've seen like all the images and everything. It seems like a Las Vegas, like in the middle, like in Dubai. Is is that what it is that what it are, is that what it looks like to you? Is that how it felt? Yeah, it um, it is made to stimulate. That is <laughs> right. <laughs> that is how it is. It's got the world's like Vegas. Yeah. Ever, like yeah, like Vegas, but um, also with a really different culture um, sure yeah roles and different um attitudes and opinions so i i it's easy to feel comfortable and then you have to remember that you are in a totally different environment <laughs> right right so despite how touristy it is it's still there's still kind of some built-in uh cultural uh things that you have to remember absolutely yeah well so so you called in some favors after a while, after do you know doing some things for free, and then called in some favors and played at the right shows and and had the right people see you. Um, so I, I'd love to know after that, you know, did you were you a fan of Songland and, and were like, hey, I want to try out for this show, or uh, did someone tell you about it, or tell me the story about how you got on Songland? Yeah. Um, so there there are a few companies that kind of do the casting for all of these shows and mm -hmm. over the past several years i've been offered uh, a couple of those reality singing shows and i never i really wanted to focus on writing i didn't mm -hmm. really want to focus so much on um kind of the cover singing aspect of it and just developed that um and i had one of the casting people reach out uh hey this last season went really well we have another season coming up if you have any songs that would fit for these artists um here's a way you can submit your song and yeah i guess they had about two thousand submissions this year and wow i had just written a song at a writing camp um where as soon as i finished the song i was like this would be great for someone like ben platt or sam smith or ah. one of those types of artists so when i saw mm -hmm. them on the list of artists that they were having on the show i was like mm -hmm. okay well let's see if this works and yeah. sent it in and two months later it was there singing it for Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Did so did so you had this song that you wrote. Did you then say, okay, well, I gotta come up with a de decently produced version of this song to submit? And so and so did the the show come first, and you're like, okay, I gotta produce it and then send it to them, or had you already yeah. recorded it? So whenever I write, I usually write things from uh, as like a piano vocal or guitar vocal, and try and get it produced the same day mm. uh, in the same session, just because you get so many ideas and they can end up all over the place or you never do it again. Cause you just, you just didn't do the work. So that uh, night that I wrote it at the writing camp, me and the co-producer, we went back to his house and just finished it and stayed up to like three or four in the morning. Oh, wow. And, and didn't know what it would do. But um, when we played it for the camp the next day, there was just this feeling in this room that it was a special song. And so we were glad we finished it. And, I started asking around like anyone who works with Ben, like, or Sam or you know, whatever, if this is a song I just worked on, check it out. Um, and I, I wrote that November of last year. And then I submitted it to Songland in middle of December. Mm -hmm. And um, then we 
filmed in February. So it was a pretty quick process. And that song, uh, for those who haven't heard it, is uh, everything it took to get to you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Ben and Ben Platt released that um, under you know Songlands distribution or whatever, uh, so you can listen to it now. Great song. So prior to that, had you been in rooms with the the type of writing and then eventually production uh, that? that was on the show? Cause I mean, I'm sure the show is edited in a certain way to make it look even more simple, but I just love how it appears at least on the show that these, that the writers on the show are just coming up with these golden nuggets, like right off, like right as they're listening to the song. Um, how was that? Did, did you, was that a whole other level or had you been in, in similar rooms to that? Yeah, so I I had the chance to work with Red One, who's a pop producer in in 2015 and 16, mm-hmm. and spent a lot of time working with him and um, kind of got to see the pop formula at work and and how he how he creates and that was definitely one of those things that really helped my process in figuring out how I wanted to write and, and produce at the same time. Um, and had worked with a handful of natural producers who were kind of the same way. So when I um, got on the show, we did the first performance of it and it was about a, so they show maybe two minutes, mm-hmm. um, but you're in there for about 30, 40 minutes. And it's, mm. it's a really good time because the best part about the three the three producers that are editing the song, they really, really love music and really, really, really want the best song to get to the best artist. So yeah. we're all just like talking about the song and hanging out and like, you know, going back and forth. Um, <clears throat> and then the other two sessions, we had one session that was filmed and then another session where we spent like eight or nine hours in studio, fig- like finishing the song. Cause it does take, take some time. Um, yeah. But with my sessions with Ryan, I had like, the best time he mm-hmm. he looks fun yeah yeah it was really fun he's he's obviously incredible at what he does but he is so good at like putting himself in the shoes of of the artist that he's going for and pitching right and right. so we didn't change a ton about the song we just tried to hone the lyric to where it would just be like specific to ben's experience and from all right and so mm-hmm. that was fun to it kind of it was microscopic. It was the way that we had to look at every single word and make sure that it was just right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so the session is, so at least that initial session is a little longer than it appears. It's about half hour. You said, uh, but then the studio session is extra long, which I, you know, I expected because they, they come out with the, at the end of the show, they got these fully produced tracks. I mean, a lot of times it's like any of those tracks could have, could have won you know you're thinking mm-hmm. to yourself as you listen to them which is a testament to how how great they are or what they do but uh but yeah like you said you i guess previously you had worked with red one and and uh they've worked with lady gaga and, and Nicki minaj so obviously it's not like you hadn't been in a similar situation before mm-hmm. but maybe that helped prepare you for it so um so yeah that that was awesome so so you know tell us a little bit about the you know your 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 album, uh, your debut album, uh, was released in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I gotta tell you, um, the, um, what's, what's the, what's the name of the big hit off of that album? I, I, I love it. It's, uh, yes, I love that. I love that disco-y bass you got on there and it's just so funky and fun. And 
that's like the exact type of disco music I love. You know, it's 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 uh, it, the reason it's done so much is because it's so great. You know, it's that's Michael Jackson. It's uh, it's all that. You know, mm. um, and and actually, I, I meant to mention Quincy Jones. Uh, one of my favorite anecdotes I've I heard about Quincy Jones uh, when you mentioned uh, playing at his club is, uh, I, you know, Thriller, one of the best albums. Ever mm -hmm. in pop music, if not the best, and um, and Quincy Jones, of course, the producer of that. Um, but I, I read somewhere recently that he was he was already middle aged when he produced that album. So I just love that idea that you can be middle, you know, not you're not. He wasn't young. He was, I think, thirty. I think he might have been in his forties, maybe, or maybe his fifties. But he he produces that album at that time, and it's like it's never too late to make your best work, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I I think it's a testament to just how much he loves music to start with Frank Sinatra and still be making music after it was like 60 years. Um, yeah. And not just Frank Sinatra, but before that with big band artists and like Ella Fitzgerald, like that's, that's a long career and with a lot of ups and downs and you have to be obsessed and yeah the example of being like it's about the music that's it <laughs> you know? right right yeah love that about him so so you uh, have dropped a couple singles just very recently um ocean uh you just dropped and golden as well um you want to tell us a little bit about those songs sure so uh corona hit in march right and mm -hmm. i had been thinking about a second record and I had a year of touring um, that I was supposed to be doing and then all of that got canceled in March. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I've always kind of felt like, you know, music and artists are, are um, our job is to provide relief for people in, in the ups and downs of life. And we were looking at like the biggest down of life in yeah. the last hundred yeah. years. Right. And I was like, I gotta get to work. Cause this is what I've, this is what I've promised myself to do is, is to, hopefully provide some relief for people in this time period. So I got on quarantine zoom with my co-producer and we just started working and figuring out how to do it all virtually instead of being in the studio with musicians and just like creating off the fly. Um, so it was, it was definitely the first time I've like put, like started a song and put out the song without ever like, being in person with the production team and, and being able to vibe. Um, but I'm really glad with what we got. And uh, those songs are both about like assessing the value of the people you love and, and making that priority. And even if there's distance or hard times that there is still connection there because you got love. So yeah yeah great songs and yeah you're a zoom pro you got your microphone and everything <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you're able to get on really quick uh at a moment's notice so obviously a pro how how was that uh collaborating via zoom um you know are you are you sitting there did you like put your laptop on top of the piano and then are you just kind of like you testing ideas out and you reading things off and then like working with a producer who's like maybe like trying to match some beats to it like as you're going or were you actually directly interfacing with any software uh where you're kind of like putting things together in real time or tell me a little bit about that yeah so we used a mix of facetime logic pro and this app called listen to which is audio movers it like streams uh hq audio with no latency you can play it from your interface and it like shows up on theirs in real time. And yeah. 
Um, I'd never heard of it before and found it the first couple of weeks or uh, after, I think sometime in April. And so I would, what I would do is I would record a piano vocal demo or a guitar vocal demo, and then I would send the stems over to him. And then he would start building either some sort of like basic drum track. Um, and then we'd get on FaceTime, listen through everything together. And then he'd be like, okay, I think I should add this. And that's okay. I'll add acoustic piano. So I go to my acoustic piano and record that. And then mail that to or email that to him he drop it in the session he'd do his thing if there was an instrument that neither of us could cover we would call someone and be like hey could you play saxophone for this and record it in your studio and then email it to us and then just kind of like lined everything up and said all right this is either missing this so let's fix this or this sounds pretty good let's go with that that that's awesome so were you so are you playing to a click you're like you got the bpm yeah. and so you're yeah. like oh, i play it so you that way you can just drop it in when you send it to him yeah, I also like to do a lot of arranging myself. So I'll go through Logic and play everything that I think should be there and be like, this piano line needs to be a horn. So I'll send that to the horn player and he'll just copy that to the click and then send it back and I'll just replace it with what was there before. It's like it's like a puzzle um, yeah. when you do it virtually. We're just trying to figure out what's missing as opposed to just vibing in a studio and being like, this feels right. Let's go with it. Right. Do you feel like uh, the the uh, the the FaceTime or the Zoom video? Do you feel like that adds to the collaboration? Uh, because it sounds like most of what you could you were just talking about could have been done by phone technically. Um, do you feel like the just seeing them and seeing their facial expressions yeah. like adds to it helps? Yes, for sure. Um, it, it adds to a bit of the validation if you're doing something right. Right, <laughs> watching their head bob. Or, yeah, if they're, yeah, if they're feeling it, then you yeah. know you're on the right right track. But if people start getting distracted or or bored, then you're like, hey, this isn't the right idea. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Those non-verbals, yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah, the that listen to uh, site, or um, I think it's just a website, right? I, I It's not something you had to download, is it? It's not a program. It is. Oh, app. it is. Okay. So it's, it's a plugin that shows up in your interface or in your um in your DAW, and then you can just add it to any channel. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I used something really similar uh, near the beginning of COVID, also with a mixer, and he was sending me some stuff, and he wanted. So we were using that because he was, you know, he was pretty uh, well quarantined. <laughs> so uh, I that was the, my first time using that too. But I was like, this is great. You know, I that maybe we can use this in the future. Um, although yeah. I do love the simplicity of just being in the room with somebody and, and being like, Oh, let's just kind of, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's easier in person still, but it's, it's definitely uh, great for the moment we're in. Yeah. It it's, it's working. We're making it work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you love it, you'll make it work. Right. Where exactly. there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. So you, you know, you have some singles, um, but you also uh, just dropped a, a very uh, a timely, I, I think well-timed because it'll give people a chance to listen to it before the holidays, but you dropped a Christmas EP. Yeah, Hope for the Holidays. Yeah. So are those original songs? Are they uh, Christmas songs that you like or holiday songs that you like um, in both? So there's uh, three tracks on the EP. The first one is Christmas Wishing, which is an original uh, second one is called Meet Me at Midnight, which is a New Year's Eve song. I have nice. two or three and was like, well, I might as well write a third New Year's Eve song. Um, so me and my buddy wrote that one. And then there's a cover of Whitney Houston's Who Would Imagine. 
um that's all acapella and um just like 60 tracks of me singing harmonies and yeah so it's, <laughs> awesome. it's a three song ep you know that's a good idea getting those new year's eve tracks in because yeah you're right yeah. i don't you don't you don't hear enough of those we need more of them it, yeah. it was uh it's been fun to put it out this early. I know I'm usually like a no Christmas until after Thanksgiving person, but um, one of the tracks is going to be on a holiday special on HBO. So I wanted to make sure that that came out in time for people to find it. And mm. also like we need some upbeat good time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we need to escape to the holidays. Yeah, right. I was about to say it's it's probably good for syncs, um, but I guess you already even had a sync. So uh, it made sense to release it now. Um, but uh but, you know, maybe a music director will hear it before, if there's time, maybe they'll hear it before. They got three months still, so. Right. Or two months, maybe. Uh, but New Year's, yeah. <laughs> then they got a couple, they got a couple weeks after New Year's. Right. Well, that's awesome. We'll, we'll be, we'll be listening to that more and more then as the holidays come. And um, David, such a pleasure to talk to you. And, and thanks for jumping on video. Um, amazing story, man. It, you made it seem so effortless as, as far as your life. I don't know. It probably wasn't that easy, but it uh, sounds like you had a, a pretty uh, clear path since freshman year of high school, huh? It's just an obsession. Mm. <laughs> there have been obvious, very hard things, but um, loving yourself and loving the music, I don't really need much, much else and loving my people. That's yeah. yeah. That's well, going. with that, I mean, that sounds like a you might have partially answered my next question, but we, we like to end the interviews uh, just by asking um, if you had one piece of advice to give to aspiring artists, what would it be? Um, I would tell them that whatever makes you different is what is going to make you win at the end of the day and to do whatever it takes to learn to love yourself and lean into... Mm -hmm.